the Lord be with you. And also with you. Oh, good morning. Good morning. It is so good to see each and every one of you. Okay, for the United Women in Faith at 10 o'clock on Wednesday. Yeah. yeah, the SPPR committee on Tuesday at 6. And uh, it's coming up very quick, but Lent is upon us, which means Ash Wednesday is February the 14th at 5 p.m. will be our Ash Wednesday service. That's the way we're doing it at 5 to give all you lovers uh, time to go out and eat at McDonald's afterwards. <laughs> but uh, Ash Wednesday, uh, February the 14th, 5 p.m. Go ahead and mark your calendars. And shall we say, this is a day that the Lord has made. Amen. Our opening prayer this morning uh, can be found on page 392 of your hymnal. Page number 392. Will you pray with me? Thou who art over us, thou who art one of us, thou who art, give me a pure heart that I may see thee, a humble heart that I may hear thee, a heart of love, that I may serve thee, a heart of faith, that I may abide in thee. Amen. And our opening hymn this morning can be found on page number 206. Uh, will you please stand as you're able as we sing, I want to walk as a child of the light. Almighty and loving God, as the scriptures are open this morning, I pray, O oh Lord, that our hearts would be open, our minds would be open, that we would hear from you this morning, that your spirit would be with us, and that your message would be received in us and lived out in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. The Old Testament reading is from the wonderful book of Isaiah, chapter 40, beginning at verse 21. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He, he sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and his people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls each forth by name. 
because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is, discarded, is disregarded by God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Page 147. But, okay, praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God. A song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem and gathers the outcasts of Israel. The Lord heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. The Lord determines the number of the stars and gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in prayer, whose understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the downtrodden, but casts the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody upon the lyre to our God. Who covers the heavens with clouds, prepares, the, prepares rain for the earth, makes grass grow upon the hills. The Lord gives to the beasts their food, and to the inhabitants that cry. The Lord takes no delight in the might of a horse, nor pleasure in the strength of a runner. But the Lord takes pleasure in the faithful, in those who hope in the Lord's steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. The Lord strengthens the bars of your gates, blesses your children in your midst. Make peace, makes peace in your borders, fills you with the finest wheat. The Lord sends forth commands to the earth. The word runs swiftly. The Lord gives snow to the like wool, scatters hoarfrost like ashes. Cast forth ice like morsels. Who can withstand its cold? The Lord sends forth the word and melts them, makes the winds blow and the waters flow. The Lord declares the word to Jacob. The Lord has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know God's ordinances. Praise the Lord. The second reading of the day comes from 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, the 16th through the 23rd verse. This is a portion of Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. 
Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Jesus, this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. <clears throat> Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law, to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel, and that I may share in its blessings. From Mark 1. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her by the hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought Jesus, all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. This is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. This is the purpose of everything Jesus does in his teaching and in his miracles. He is helping us to become whole in our bodies, in our minds, and in our spirit. The touch of Jesus is so powerful that it brings wholeness to broken lives. Now before us in our gospel text is a story featuring a mother-in-law. Now, we've all heard the jokes and probably told a few ourselves about in-laws and outlaws. 
You know, jokes have a way of pointing to some uncomfortable truth. But myself, I like to look at this relationship uh, in terms of the relationship that my mother and April have. Uh, They're more like mother and daughter than they are in-laws. And that's the picture I like to have as I look at the the household in our text. Here is a mother-in-law who is sick. Now, this mother-in-law was not the type to sit around and to nag and pick at her daughter-in-law, but was more than happy to pitch in and do what, was, do what needed to be done. Now, I don't know about your home, but in, in our home, when I get sick, I complain, moan, and groan as if the end of the world has come upon us. In actuality, the only thing that changes is April has one more big baby to take care of. However, when Mama gets sick, boy, the whole house goes down in flames. Everybody's standing around. Who's cooking supper? Who's doing laundry? Who's cleaning house? Why is Oliver streaking through the house, laughing as he goes? When Mama is sick, the comfortable reality that she has created for us is in serious jeopardy. And the house just isn't whole and together when mama is sick. Here this mother-in-law lay with fever, unable to do the things that she would normally do. Do you remember the worst fever you've ever had? Mine was when I was a teenager. I was laid out on the couch. I was felt helpless, dehydrated. I was delirious, talking out of my mind. When I finally came to, uh, my mother was trying to drown me in tepid water. Now, it's hard to keep most women down, even when they are sick. So this fever must have really been something. But at the same time, There are many women who have a hard time with this passage. (laughs) Several years ago when I was preaching on this text, I had a young mother and wife uh, tell me after the service in a very facetious tone that this scripture reading is what every woman wants to hear, that after being healed, she gets to wait on a room full of lazy men. You know, but actually in terms of understanding Jesus, Simon's mother-in-law is light years ahead of these disciples. She models for them the very gospel action that they need to learn, the act of Christian service. And the detail is way beyond the menial work of keeping house and waiting on guests. After being healed, Jesus does not command anything of her. Of her own initiative, she uses the Sabbath day to serve others. This is a lesson that the disciples will not learn until after the resurrection. In the meantime, though, they will argue about who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. They will lobby Jesus for places of honor as Jesus tries to teach them that he did not come to be served, but to serve And what an eye-opening, humbling experience it must have been to have Jesus to wash their feet. The job of a servant 
because they had been convinced that the kingdom of heaven, that they would, they would be far above the status of a servant and how humbling it must to have been to hear Jesus say, if you want to be the greatest, then you must become the greatest servant. You might say that Simon's mother-in-law is the first deacon or deaconess. A deacon is someone whose life, who lives their life before God and their neighbor as a servant. In the United Methodist Church, deacons are clergy leaders who are called by God, authorized by the church, and ordained by the bishop to a lifetime of ministry, word, service, compassion, and justice. Deacons exemplify Christian discipleship, nurture others in their relationship to God, and lead church people to respond to the needs of the needy, the neglected, the marginalized of the world. In the congregation, deacons teach, preach, officiate at funerals and weddings, offer pastoral care, assist the elder in administering baptism and holy communion lead discipleship development ministries, and help lay people identify and claim their own ministries. And outside the walls of the church, deacons share the good news in word and in their advocacy for the poor, the neglected, and oppressed and discouraged. They provide ministries of mercy and invite Christians to come along beside them in these ministries through their words and action, in body, mind, and spirit, these men and women teach and show us who Jesus is. And that question does occur in the background of Mark's gospel. If the disciples really know who Jesus is. The evil spirits knew who Jesus was. Simon's mother-in-law will model Christian service for everyone that Jesus himself will employ in his ministry as he goes from place to place. But do his own disciples have any clue as to who he is? And this opens the question to us. Does the one who is reading or hearing these passages know who Jesus is to the point that your life models Jesus' teaching in the service just like this blessed mother-in-law? It will shine a light upon our own lives as to whether our knowledge of Jesus brings us to a place of wholeness as we serve his interests in the world. Now hear this. We have all, every single one of us, have been gifted by the Lord who chooses to work through people of ordinary means to express his extraordinary grace and mercy to a community who need the gifts of the church, your gifts. The Christian life is a life of a service in which the Christian uses their gifts or to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the community, even to the ends of the earth. 
You know, the best line I read all week is, where will you choose to get blisters in the name of Jesus? How we spend our time is how we spend our lives. And many will say, I have no gift. And yet, all they do is work for the Lord. It may not be the most glamorous work. It may be work from behind the scenes, but necessary work nonetheless. There was a lawyer who wanted to investigate his spiritual gifts. And so he took a spiritual gifts assessment, and it came back that he had the gift of administration. Oh, what a gift to have, right? He thought that was the most boring and uninteresting gift you could possibly have. So he took the assessment again, and the same answer came back. He had the gift of administration. He took the assessment a third and a fourth time with the same result. And so he set out on a short-term missionary trip, and he noticed that the group that he was in was not well organized at all. So he organized the group. He made schedules and made sure people were in the right spot at the right time, using their gifts to the best of their ability. And it was only then that he began to understand his gift. If he had not used his gift, then the rest of the group would have been unable to use their gifts in a meaningful way. And let there be no confusion Everyone has a gift to be used in the Lord's service. Wesley would urge the Methodists to employ their gifts with the second general rule. Just out of curiosity, who knows the second general rule? I I heard it somewhere back there. At least I thought I did. Do good. Do good. As he would say, do good that we were to evidence our desire of salvation by doing good of every possible sort and, and as far as possible to all, to their bodies, by giving food to the hungry, by clothing the naked, by visiting and helping them that are sick or in prison, to their souls by instructing, reproving, and exhorting. A mature faith will hold in balance evangelism and social concern, and we will use both as a tangible expression of Christ's command to love our neighbor. A private faith does not do anyone any good especially the person who claims that faith is private. Wesley would say, there is no gospel but a social one, meaning the gospel is a community affair. You know, there was once a group that worked with children after school, and they told their volunteers, leave your religion at the door, due to the diversity in the community they were working in, And while in such a setting, you would want to be careful of religious language, setting your faith at the door is really no faith at all. Our faith 
should be so deeply rooted in us, defining who we are and is not simply something that you can leave at the door. The service offered by this unnamed mother-in-law was not for show. It was who she was. And who she was just happened to be the heart of Christian service as she served Jesus himself. And what did Jesus say that I have repeated many, many times? When you've done it unto the least of these, and as it turns out, we can serve Jesus just like this mother-in-law did. So, how will you choose to get blisters in the name of Jesus Christ? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. We confess our sin, individual and collective, by silence or action, through the violation of human dignity based on race, class, age, sex, nation, or faith, through the exploitation of people because of greed and indifference through the misuse of power in personal, communal, national and international life through the search for security by those military and economic forces that threaten human existence through the abuse of technology which endangers the earth and all life upon it lord have mercy christ have mercy lord have mercy we commit ourselves individually and as a community to the way of christ to take up the cross to seek abundant life for all humanity, to struggle for peace with justice and freedom, to risk ourselves in faith, hope, and love, praying that God's kingdom may come. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen.